Blog Talk Radio. together to pay homage, well, to me, El Presidente. My name is Tom Marquis. I'm your host. I'm your fearless leader, and I will guide you through the crazy world of sports over the next 90 minutes or so. And really, we've got it toned down pretty good for you this week. It is going to be the NFL draft. Nothing but the NFL draft. So, to my race fans, I love you, and I know you all like NFL. So here's what's going to happen. We're covering uh, the races on our Twitter, as usual, at T-Battles and on the Facebook. Uh, But NASCAR is in Dover, Monster Mile. IndyCar is down in Bama this weekend. So make sure that you're following us on the Twitter, at T-Battles. I don't know about you. I am so glad that this draft is finally here. We can finally stop talking about it. No, we can't stop talking about it. We're just getting started. (laughs) But the good thing about it is I've got my team ready to go and uh, geared up and ready to go for you today. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Buckeyes fan, Super Duper Guardians fan, uh, super Cavs fan, just an all-around great guy. My uh, partner in crime, if you will, on the show, Adam Jividen. And uh, we, we got all of his um, analysis breakdowns up on our website. So we'll get to that here in just a minute. But he's going to be joining us, and we're going to break down every single pick of the first round and talk a little bit about what happened yesterday in the second round. And then joining us at 1030 is our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. Going to talk about what the Eagles have done in the draft. We're also certainly going to talk about what the Colts did in the draft. Um, So we've got basically 90 minutes of breaking this down for you so that you've got something to go to work on Monday and say, hey, here's what I know. And you know you know it because you learned it from me. Because I'm on loan from God, and I, with one hand tied behind my back, I'm going to walk you through this. We're going to give you our grades, A through F. And um, 917-889-8516 is my digits. Stick around. It's about to get really good right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. It is time to get our NFL talk on. Time to get our... <laughs> oh, there's a lot of exciting times in, in the world, and the NFL draft is one of them. And, and maybe, maybe it's just because I was so entrenched with it, with putting on my homework cap here, uh, and I quite literally do have the homework cap on, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, have, we have had so many problems and so many issues. And, I mean, we could just sit here for the next 45 minutes to an hour or longer unpacking all the problems that the Indianapolis Colts have had. I do think that they took a significant stride, if you will, a very significant stride in uh, getting that better as well. So joining me now... To help us go into the weeds through all of this NFL draft, Adam Jividan, super Browns fan, super Buckeye fan, super duper Cavs fan, super Guardians fan. I probably screwed up how super he is, but man, golly, he's awesome. Welcome aboard, Adam. How are you, sir? <laughs> um, I'm good, Tom. How are you, man? Man, I tell you what, I'm ready to go. And we spent so much time saying, hey, let's 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 get into the draft so we can stop talking about it now. We gotta talk about it. So we, we're going to get into that here in, in just a minute. Then we're going to break down uh, basically how we're going to do it is we're going to give the pick, we're going to give the what the pick was in the grade, and then we're going to let you break down your analysis that you've uh, provided for us as well. And Ed Kratz is joining us at ten uh, thirty. So we're going to get through this the best that we can. But let's go ahead and real quickly talk about, and we didn't break this down between you and I as far as the analysts, analysis go and so forth. But let's do take a quick look at what happened on day two. And, uh, well, we saw some movement with the Indianapolis Colts. We'll start with that because our homework card, we're based here in Indianapolis, very top of the balance studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. So let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts, not the, the, the number one overall draft pick, but what they did in day two. And uh, give us your thoughts on that. So day two was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I really liked the Josh Downs pick. I think he was real. He was fantastic. Not last year, but two years ago when they had Sam, or when they had Sam Howell at quarterback. Um, I am really down though on Ballard's trade down. Like, I, I don't understand it. Like, Michael Mayer has consistently been one of the best tight ends in college football ever since he set foot on the field his freshman year. He was the number one tight end in my on my charts and on a lot of charts. It kind of depended on what you were looking for, whether you were wanting Mayer or Michael or Dalton Kincaid um, from Utah, who went in the first round. But but Michael Mayer was universally – like, I had him as the 11th best prospect on the entire board. And he's available for you. He's going to be – he could be a long-time emergency valve, similar to what Peyton had in, in, with great tight ends and Ken Dilger and – and Dallas Clark, and you have that for your new young quarterback, and what do you do? You trade down. I just – Ballard consistently tries to think that he's smarter than everybody else. Sometimes the smartest thing is just making the obvious pick, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just – Well, I don't under – and I think he thinks 
so highly of himself as a drafter that he's like, oh, I can go get Michael Mayer in the fourth round. Except, no, you aren't, and no, you can't. You've consistently <laughs> shown that your dudes, you, you, Chris Ballard overvalues his draft picks more than any GM in the entire league. Yeah, that's, a, that's absolutely true. So take true. the obvious and, pick. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But you know what? That's It is what it is. If we needed a cornerback, and he's a very, very good cornerback, and he's from Indianapolis, so we'll go we'll go with that. Let me, real quickly, while we, we talk a little bit about the, the Colts and let's move on to some of these others because we want to make sure we get through everything today. Uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Josh Downs? I, I, said, I mentioned Josh Downs is a stud. I think oh, you he is okay, a I'm really so good. Yeah, I didn't talk about the corner because I'm just annoyed by the Michael Mayer <laughs> trade down. Um, no, I mean, the corner will be fine. I, they talked about how this was a really deep corner draft, and I'm like, no, it's not. You're saying that because there has to be players get selected. It's not a deep corner draft compared to what we've had in years past. There were four good ones, four real good ones, and then the the chasm between them and the next guys was, was pretty steep. Yes, corner fills a need, and you might say, well, we didn't have a need at tight end because we have Mo Alley-Cox. And I'm like, okay, what other team in the league is interested in Mo Alley-Cox besides the Colts? The answer is none of them. So I just – but, no, Josh Downs is a stud. I think Josh Downs could be very, very good. Um he put up really great numbers with Sam Howell, but the UNC quarterback situation this last year was a disaster. Um, once once teams were essentially just selling, they didn't know what to do with Drake May um, at UNC. Drake May is a is is a, is a beast, um, and he put up good numbers with with May as well, um, but they were just they were just losing all the time because they couldn't play defense. So. It, well, it, it, the, the, I'm going to phrase it. I didn't, not the quarterback situation at UNC wasn't bad. The quarterback situation was great. The team situation wasn't as good because their defense was a, a, a hot mess. Yeah. Well, we certainly got Reggie Wayne to mentor him, so we'll see how that goes. You know, as we we watched the night unfold on Thursday night, we saw Will Levis fall, 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 to not even being drafted. He did get drafted. We're going to talk about that in two seconds here. But – because of a toe injury that nobody seemed to know about. Now, we didn't necessarily want him here in Indianapolis. I know I was kind of on his train there for a little bit. But I really was shocked that he, that he fell as far as he fell. Now, after going undrafted in the first round, and, you know, a, a surprise to a lot of NFL uh, evaluators, if you will, uh, the, the new quarterback, uh, uh, the Kentucky quarterback, finds his home in Nashville where the Titans offer a positive setup because Ryan Tannehill remains under contract, meaning Levi doesn't have to play right away. And that's probably a good thing because of his inconsistency uh, but that we evaluated as well. So not at Indianapolis, but at the Tennessee Titans and in our division. Will Levis goes to the Titans. What are your thoughts? Will Levis was always a second-round prospect at best. Always. The media has turned him into a potential number one overall pick. Same with Hendon Hooker. Tom, I freaking told you Hendon Hooker was not that good, and he'd be drafted (laughs) in the third round or later. And Adam was right. So, like, but this is what Will Levis always has been. He's a second-round prospect. In a in, in a stronger quarterback draft, 
he would have been a late second-round prospect. We're not talking about a dude that set the world on fire and and just shockingly fell, like Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, or or even Patrick Mahomes went later than we obviously now see that he should have been. But, like, Will Levis was always a second-round prospect. He's only had a handful of games throwing over 250 yards in his entire collegiate career. And they they would blame it on, well, he doesn't have receivers. He doesn't have – and I'm like, man, I remember quarterbacks that didn't have receivers that still put up 300 yards, 400 yards, because they were that good. My beef with – my thing with, with Will Levis is if you are a potential franchise quarterback, you should elevate the play of the wide receivers around you, and we never saw that happen. And, and that's that's the thing. And that's what that's what – second-round quarterbacks do. Now, could Levis be successful in Tennessee? Sure. But his ceiling is much closer to a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr as an absolute ceiling than it is maybe even his ceiling might even be Daniel Jones rather than a a top-10 quarterback. Anthony Richardson, who we'll talk about later, has significantly – significantly more upside than Will Levis. It's not even close. And that's the thing is Levis, because Levis is also 25 years old. Like, he, there's not there's not a lot of, of time left for him to develop versus C.J. Stroud, who's 21, Bryce Young, who's 21, Anthony Richardson, who's 21. When you're 24, 25 coming into the draft – that clock is already sped up really significantly. And that was the thing with Hendon Hooker. By the time the season is over, Tom, Hendon Hooker will be 26 years old. That is a very old rookie. And, and, and by the time he gets to a second contract, he'd already be 30. When your body starts to, unless you're Tom Brady and sold your soul to Satan and you can play till you're 42. But, like, I just... I don't understand why everybody was, oh, Will Levis is definitely a top three pick. If you put on his tape well, and break that, it down that, without seeing the media bias, you're going, this is not a first-round pick kind of guy. Well, that's the biggest question. I wonder, could somebody was talking in his ear to make him think of, remember, at, at one point he was saying, he's going number one, he's going number two. You know, and then there was a lot of people that still said he's, a, he's coming to Indianapolis. I'm curious, and maybe we don't know the answer to this right now, but I'm curious as to how all of that got started. And you got quarterbacks like Levis his whole life. He's been, people have been telling him how great he is. And then it comes draft day. And you know what? I, that's one thing that I wish that the NFL would take away. You know, it is real to them. It's real to us. It's real to everybody. But I don't think anybody wants to see somebody – you know, looking oh, at the, the kid the, that didn't the, get picked the, up on the sitting in the green room for four hours. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants this. It's a dis, it's a well, disservice to the kid. But but here's here's the thing with Levis, okay? A part of this is after a down year of quarterbacks last year, the media was not about to let it be a down year of quarterbacks in consecutive seasons. And, and I think you have too many, quote-unquote, talent evaluators and not enough people that are objectively 
and they and they all have their own agenda. All of them have their own agenda. My gosh, if you watch the ESPN broadcast, Mel Kiper was comical in his agenda. Like it was it was so bad. But he just you know, <laughs> these guys hey. these guys they don't they don't they don't have an honest look in the mirror from the media and so when you're being told by every telecast oh yeah you're definitely a second round or a first round pick and these are guys that have watched football and and have never played the game or coached the game in their life going like um no listen to the guys that know what they're talking about and that's where i go to kurt warner kurt warner said in his opinion will levis needed time and he would be better suited as a second day prospect Straight from okay, let's quickly, Let's real quickly, obviously, because yeah, we're a Tennessee Vols uh, family here. Uh, we like our Tennessee Vols here in, in the household. Melissa, obviously, is a big Tennessee uh, fan. Hidden Hooker goes to the Lions. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. The Lions uh, need help in every aspect to include the bathroom janitor. So, Hidden Hooker is a good pickup for, for the Lions. What are your thoughts? He's a backup quarterback. <laughs> I, in my opinion, the Lions have had the worst draft of the entire league. So, he's a backup quarterback. All right. Without further ado. Like, and he was, he was a good college quarterback, but, like, at Ohio State, J.T. Barrett was a good college quarterback and was a backup quarterback in the NFL. I guess just not everybody's going to be a superstar, and Hendon Hooker will not be a superstar. He won't. He's not going to start. I'm just telling you. Well, Unless Adam, bridge. you're a – you're our superstar. You're our analysis. You have to break everything down through uh, on draft day. We've got this all put together. So we're going to start uh, with uh, picks 25 through 31. We're going to use the grade. I'm just going to give the teams in the grade, and I'm going to let you go ahead. And we're going to we want people to go to the website and read our your analysis. But we're going to go through each and every team. So in about 30 seconds or less on each team. So the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they, they trade with Dalton Kincaid, uh, and we give them a very solid B+. Thoughts on uh, Buffalo in, in, in picks 25-331? Yeah, so, so Buffalo, I think they kind of made a smart move here. Um, Dalton Knox has been their primary tight end for the last couple of years. He's solid, but it's coming up on the time where they're going to have to pay him, and they can't pay everybody. They, you know, they've, they've signed Josh Allen to his big extension. They have Stephon Diggs. They have other guys on defense they have to resign. Um so Dalton Kincaid is able to sit for a year, um, and then he can step in when Dawson Knox probably moves on in free agency to uh, to the starting role. Dalton Kincaid was, depending on what you were looking for at tight end, him and Michael Mayer were basically 1A and 1B. Dalton Kincaid is more of the put him in the slot um, or just the offline. He's an okay blocker but a great receiver. Um, so I, I thought it was a solid, smart they can use him this year in two tight end sets, and then next year, I believe, is when Dawson Knox is a free agent. Jacksonville, obviously the AFC South. Uh, you gave a, a, a B to Anton Harrison. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I think that was just a – like, with, with Jacksonville, you're just going like, okay, where are some of your obvious needs? Um, they're there. This is more a result of – positional strength um it was a weaker draft for where the the jags were deficient so like they got a guy he'll be a guy will he start probably for a little bit but then then they'll move on he's he's someone i don't i don't forecast as a fifth year option kind of guy 
He'll play for four years. He'll do some things, and he'll move on. New Orleans and Brian Breesey, uh, what are your thoughts for uh, uh, for this D-line? So Brian Breesey was an absolute monster his freshman year at Clemson. Um, and then COVID year happened, and his sister died. And he was just mentally not there. He even admitted it. Like, I mean, I don't know how you could be. He was very, very close to his sister. And he kind of started to turn it on and get it back last year, at the end of last year. If Brian Brissett can can get under uh, Cameron uh, um, uh, Jordan and just learn and get that fire back, you're talking about the Saints getting a potential – Pro Bowl caliber defensive tackle, defensive end, late in the first round. It was a great pick. Well, let's talk. We're going to be talking more about Philadelphia when Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and SI.com joins us. So we're going to be talking about all that, what the Philadelphia Eagles have done during the draft. I was really surprised to see Nolan Smith go down as far as he did. I thought he would get drafted a lot sooner than he did, but certainly a good pickup for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nolan Smith, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll let's do this. Let's package all of the Eagles together. I'll just say this: Eagles have had the best draft in the league so far. Don't they always? Don't they always? They, well, you know what? There were some eyebrows when they when they made. We'll talk about this here in just a bit. But there's some eyebrows when they went with the other Jalen, Jalen Carter. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, we are going to package all that to get together. Let's talk about, and then we're going into our next uh, bundle here: Kansas City uh, draft Felix Undak Umama B plus. Uh, you gave him Kansas City needed a replacement for Frank Clark. But that's that's it. That's that's where for Kansas City, they got a B plus more for the position than for the player. Um, pass mm-hmm. rushers are always at a premium. Um, he's a he can learn. The, the 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 thing is is that with Kansas City, you just kind of go, all right, I don't have a ton on this on this player. I know y'all do. I'm gonna trust your. I'm gonna trust you on this, but it does fill a position of need that they're now not gonna have to go into the well of some of the veterans that have just kind of hung on and haven't been picked up by anybody else. So for them, this is as much of it's addressing a need um, that you know you have and being honest with your roster, which some of us, <clears throat> Chris Ballard, can't freaking do. So uh, <laughs> I think once again does a really good job. All right, let's go to our next uh, batch here, uh, and that's his picks 21 through 24. We'll start with the Chargers. Quentin Johnson gave a B minus. Uh, Johnson has had, had some big-time physical traits, some size, some speed, some strength. But you say, unfortunately, one of the traits he does not have uh, would be good hands. you got to have good hands, Adam. you got to have good hands. Go ahead. Yeah, he he had one of the worst pro days I've ever seen for a wide receiver. He he body catches everything. So what that means is for a big receiver, by letting the ball come into your body, you're not allowing yourself to use the frame that the good Lord blessed you with. So by body catching, he actually makes himself a smaller receiver. And mm-hmm. and he's a long strider. So he's fast, but it takes him a while to get open. The, the thing that I look at, if I look at the Chargers roster, I'm like, okay, you have Mike Williams, big, tall receiver, long strider. You have Keenan Allen, big, strong receiver, near the, getting near the end 
of his career, so he's lost a step. And then you brought in Quentin Johnson, who's another big, tall, like, it, in my opinion, they should have gone with somebody like, um, I'm trying to think of who else was available and when they picked, but like Zay Flowers, um, who I believe was gone at that point. He was gone at that point. He was picked before. But getting, they needed somebody smaller, shifty. Jordan Addison actually would have made more sense in that scenario, even though Quentin Johnson may be a slightly better prospect. I don't know. I, this was, I, I look at Quentin Johnson, and all I think of is that dude is Laquan Treadwell. And if you don't know who Laquan Treadwell is, my point is exactly. He was a busted out wide <laughs> receiver from that just big body, physical, and you look at him and you're like, wow, he can do everything except catch the football, which is what you're paid to do. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go over to Baltimore. Zay Flowers, A minus. And you just, I'll sum it up like this. You said freaking Baltimore. Freaking Baltimore, but it is a solid pick. He's a small guy, but he's a good. It's a good pick for for Baltimore, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, after all the money they're paying Lamar Jackson, they've got to get something for something, I guess. Well, yeah. On uh, Zay Flowers. So Zay Flowers is very fast, has good hands. He's shifty. He's small. That's the that's the only question. We've seen smaller receivers struggle in the AFC North. Uh, Hollywood Brown um, was hurt, like, all the time. Um, I do like Zay Flowers. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was really nervous before Seattle got him that, that Jackson Smith and Jigba was going to go to Baltimore. Then I would have been pissed. Um, but, uh, but Zay Flowers is, is good. He's what they needed. They needed a receiver to take the top off. Rashad Bateman's a bigger receiver, isn't going to do that. Obviously, Odell's not going to do that no matter how much the media's like, oh, my gosh, the Ravens got Odell Beckham. Who's going to be there? He's got three Very valid point, valid point. That's exactly how the Raiders but, sound, but too. I, you, got, you got him down. I think, <laughs> I think Dave Flowers could be really good playing in the slot. Um, he's a much better route runner than Hollywood Brown is at the same stage of their career. So I think he could be – He's one of those kids that I look at him and I'm like, this guy, he's going to put up consistent numbers if he can stay healthy. And that's going to be the question for him. Jordan Addison goes to the Minnesota Vikings. You give him a B minus. Minnesota has one of the worst pass defenses in the entire league. And Jerry Porter Jr. was uh, just sitting there. And uh, so you don't think Addison has the athleticism to get open in the NFL. They do need someone to go alongside Justin Jefferson, but their defense is a mess. Correct. <laughs> Moving on. Jordan, Jordan Addison, they're already like, oh, he could be Adam Thielen. I'm like, no, he can't because he just – he's not Thielen, – Thielen was an incredibly intelligent route runner and just knew how to get open. Jordan Addison had very blah combine numbers. I just don't see – I don't see the same, like, headiness from Addison that you see from – from guys like like Adam Thielen or, or a Julia Edelman that maybe just didn't have you know the incredible combine numbers, but just somehow puts up numbers of significance year over year over year. I, I just I, I feel like Jordan Addison. Uh, he was an okay pick. He's an, he's going to be an all right receiver. Will he put up numbers as a number two to Justin Jefferson? Yes, because Justin Jefferson is going to get doubled. But Minnesota's pass defense was an abomination. 
They could have gone Joey Porter Jr. I wouldn't have been upset if they went Brian Branch, the Alabama safety in the second round. But instead, you go offense. And I'm like, guys, you should have realized you just can't outscore everybody when you couldn't beat the Giants in the playoffs. You got ripped to shreds right. by Daniel Jones. Like, right. come on. Like, like <laughs> Daniel Jones should have sent them a thank you card when he signed that contract. But <laughs> – but they go offense, and I'm like, that, that's my biggest problem. Will Addison be an okay receiver? I think he'll be fine. Solid starter, number two receiver in the league, cool. But their defense was a disaster, and you can't just, you can't just overlook areas. You ha- and, and again, this just gets back to being honest about your roster. Like, they, they have to go, who, who are we? We are an offensive, heavy team. And we need to shore up our defense. And they What's they that? had a really good opportunity with some good corners on the board, and they just didn't didn't do it. Before we go to our next our next patch, let's talk about the Giants. Uh, Deontay Banks B minus. Giants I feel like overall had a great draft uh, has had a great draft so far. What do you think about the Giants? Deontay, Deontay Banks, Banks. Is, is interesting. He's he's an athletic freak, but I just. I've, I've watched him get lost in coverage at Maryland enough to go like, man, I wouldn't take that guy in the first round. Now, with the, I say that knowing that their head coach, Ron Rivera, is a long-time heavy defensive coach. Um, oh, sorry. I'm thinking of the wrong corner. The Giants, yes. No. Um, same deal. Deontay, like, same deal as Washington. Sorry, I got I got two NFC East teams confused. Um Wink Martindale is going to Wink Martindale is going to use Banks well and is probably going to get what he can out of his athleticism. The question is, is is Banks going to be a long-term player? Ultimately, comes down to how well does he get the the intellectual side of football. You can't rely on your athleticism and get burned and try to make up, you know, make up the difference later that often because then you just get picked on like crazy. I kind of see Deontay Banks at best being like a poor man's um, – uh, not Stephon Diggs, the other Diggs down in Dallas – that gets <laughs> like four or five picks but then gets absolutely torched two or three times a game. Like that's and, – and if I'm a defensive coordinator, that would drive me absolutely crazy. I'd rather you play sound and have like one or two picks than have like six picks and just get abused the rest of the time. You know, uh, moving on to our, our next our next patch here, and this is where we start getting into the fun stuff, the good stuff, the, the fun stuff to talk about. Not the other one's stuff isn't, but this is where we kind of get – this is what we've been talking about. You know, the, the top 20, top 10. You know, certainly the top 10 is where all the meat and potatoes are. And, you know, we, we certainly – some shockers, some non, non-shockers, we'll get into that here in just a second – I certainly am glad that the Indianapolis Colts decided to do something different this year and not kick the the quarterback position down the lane again. I'm very happy with who we got. Maybe that would have been my first pick, but certainly wasn't Levis, so a lot of good good positive things. But in my mind, I thought, well, if they do kick it down, are they smart enough? in the first, the first round to at least address the quarterback situation. 
If they had done that, I would have been happy with what New England did, and they picked up uh, Christian Gonzalez, a absolute beast at quarterback. I very rarely am uh, jealous of the Patriots. Maybe I am because I'm a Colts fan. I'm jealous of all of the Patriots, all of the Super Bowls, all the acclimates that was brought by Tom Brady. Okay, so yes, I'm always jealous of the, the New England Patriots. But I'm kind of jealous today. They got Christian Gonzalez, and we did not, if that makes sense. It does. Christian Gonzalez is my top two corners in this draft were Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter Jr., depending on what type of defense you want to run. Um, And Christian Gonzalez and Bill Belichick are going to be really solid for a long time. And then Christian Gonzalez is probably going to take his his contract um, and on his second contract, and they'll He'll probably have a good contract with the Patriots, and he'll probably make several Pro Bowls because this is what Bill Belichick does. He has done this with lesser prospects. So to get an absolute stud like Christian Gonzalez, I'm I'm just kind of booking it down. I think there's a really, really good chance Christian Gonzalez is your NFL defensive rookie of the year. I'm putting it down right now. We got it. We got it down right now. Well, uh, we've talked about all the holes that the uh, Detroit Lions have, uh, and uh, they have a lot. And so why not just start plugging here, plugging there, plugging here, and plugging there? So uh, center, Jack Campbell, uh, you said you were really interested in the Browns moving up to the late second round to get Jack Campbell. You said you think he's a fine football player, but this is a way overdrafted. This is way overdrafted. Uh, Detroit, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is a middle linebacker. Middle linebacker in today's NFL is the least valuable position on the entire defense. Uh, and, and it's not just that. It's, it's the fact that he would be there in round two. Not even a question. Um, I just don't – I think, Camp, like I said, Campbell's a great football player, will be in the league for a long time. But unless you have a middle linebacker and that guy is like Ray Lewis, I'm not taking him in the first round, let alone in the top 20. I I just – it literally happened, and I was just like, holy cow. That was – to me, that was Dan Campbell as their defensive – or as their head coach and a former defensive coordinator going, we need to bring in a football guy. Jack Campbell, football guy. Well, great. Football guys are all fine and dandy until they are getting, you know, run past by smaller, nimble wide receivers or running backs. But I just – you're not going to be able to keep him on the field for a lot of third downs unless a team has a giant tight end. And and I just don't understand how you can take a a middle linebacker in today's NFL in the top 20. I I just – unless that guy is an absolute stud – and he's good, but he's not that level yet. And I don't know that All right, he, it, I don't even think he has that feeling to get to that level. All right, guys, we're going to move on through the break. We're not going to take a break, but joining us now is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, and uh, the guy who raises the bar in every NFL conversation that we have. Ed, happy draft weekend to you. How are you, sir? Hey, happy draft weekend. Man, that, that was great analysis there by Adam. 
Uh, what he, did. Did. I he raised the bar real yeah. high there. I, li- I like what he had to say about Jack Campbell. I, I had him going to the, like the Eagles in the number sixty-two. Uh, that, and that, yeah, I was I was hopeful for the Browns to get him with our pick that ultimately was Cedric Tillman. That was pretty good. So, I like Cedric Tillman. What was that, guys? We're, I'm happy we, about we, the Cedric Tillman pick, yeah. We're in picks 17 through 20. We're going to try to bunch everything up so we can get down to the meat and eat uh, meat and grub of it all. But we've got a couple more here in this patch. Ta- uh, Tampa Bay, Kalaje Kansi. Um, we gave it a B. Kansi is a very solid defensive tackle, but this would have been would, would have been a good start for Levis or a wide receiver, considering some of the age and history. Uh, Ed, we'll start with you because you just joined us. Tampa Bay and their pick there with Cansey. Did I say that name right? Probably not, but go ahead. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, Kalaja Cansey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. Um, <clears throat> undersized. Everybody has kind of fallen in love with this notion that he's going to be the next Aaron Donald because he is undersized. He's explosive, and he went to Pitt, which is where Aaron Donald went. Um you know, I, I don't know. I guess they're pretty happy with Baker Mayfield and uh, Kyle Trask because I thought that would have been a better spot for them to maybe take a quarterback. But, you know, how good are these quarterbacks? I don't know. But you have to take a shot at some point on a quarterback if you're if you're the Bucks. I don't know if Mayfield or Trask is the answer. I was surprised they didn't go quarterback. So, Adam, uh, we're going to start with you. we got another Ohio State guy coming off the board here, uh, Jackson Smith uh, Najingba. Sorry, I know I messed that up. Uh, you, gave, you gave them an A. Was that because he was an Ohio State grad or because that was the perfect spot for him to land in Seattle? <laughs> the answer to that is yes. Um, it, it really is. So, not just the Ohio State guys, but what – Jackson Smith Najigba is going to be able to do in the Seattle offense is going to be really good because he's got DK Metcalf, you know, taking the top off and dragging receivers or t- dragging the secondary typically down those boundaries. And JSN can make living in the middle of the field. It's what he did at Ohio State. Um, for everybody that doesn't realize it, Jackson Smith Najigba had more yards, more catches, but a couple less touchdowns than both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were number one and number two for Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. Jackson Smith-Ajigla is a stud. And what they have done is put him in a situation where he will benefit from a guy like DK Metcalf. He can learn more from Tyler Lockett. So he had he has sat under the best wide receivers coach in college football in Brian Hartline, and now he can learn under Tyler Lockett for a year or two. And, and they have very similar games, a little undersized, but can play outside, can play inside. Um, it's a perfect, perfect spot. And we'll see if Gino can continue to build on what he started last year. Ed, let's go to you. Let's talk a little bit. This, does not necess- this position does not necessarily pertain to the quarterback situation, but we haven't talked about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, the worst-kept secret in the, in the NFL. But Green Bay, and we're moving into our, our patch of uh, picks 13 through 16, guys. But uh, Green Bay, Lucas Van Ness. Uh, Van Ness is a, a, a traditional defensive end, and uh, we gave him an A. Ed, so what are your thoughts? One. Aaron Rodgers leaving the, the, the Packers and going to the Jets, which is what he wanted, and everybody knew that was going to happen. But then they pick up uh, uh, Lucas Van Ness as a defensive uh, uh, end, and you're a defensive guy. So what are your thoughts, Ed? 
Yeah. Uh, well, my thoughts are, you know, Joe Douglas, I hope, got it right here. He's probably kind of under fire right now, the general manager of the New York Jets. And I like Joe. Joe was here in Philadelphia, worked under Howie Roseman, and uh, got to know Joe. So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, Aaron Rodgers can, you know, take his team where he wants to go, which is the Super Bowl. Uh, they have a good roster. You know, maybe Rodgers was the final piece, but, you know, Rodgers didn't play particularly well last year. He's, you know, 39 years old. He'll, he'll turn 40 during the season. Um, you're going to have to keep him protected. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the Jets can do that. Uh, but I, I like the deal for both teams. I think the Jets got a piece they feel like can put them over the hump. And the Packers got a slew of picks in the process, and now they can, uh, you know, start to build around Jordan Love a little bit. You know, it's almost like, you know, they never took a receiver for Aaron Rodgers in the first round, which was, I think, a a big mistake. And everybody Mm -hmm. thought, well, they'll take a receiver here at 13 now with Lucas Van Ness or with uh, this 13th pick. Maybe they'd take Jackson uh, Smith-Najiba, but they they didn't do that. And it's almost like out of spite or whatever. I mean, they're just – so stubborn and sticking to what they think is right. Uh, I would have taken a receiver here to help Jordan Love, but they took a defensive end, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, you know, pass rushes are hard to find, and this guy's pretty unique. He can play inside and out. Uh, uh, big guy, 6'5", his nickname is Hercules. Uh, you know, that speaks to his strength, I guess. So, uh, you know, he still has to develop, like all these kids do that are being drafted, but I was surprised. Uh, I like Van Ness, but I'm surprised they didn't grab a receiver here. Uh, Adam, we move on here, and I'm going to let you in, and, and this is Adam's words, not mine, but hey, uh, Pittsburgh trade Broderick Jones. F, screw Pittsburgh. Really, it's a B plus. He has a significant potential, <laughs> and his maturity is my biggest concern. Love it. Adam, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I mean, first off, like Pittsburgh's had a really good draft, too. Um, the state of Pennsylvania should be walking away from this draft happy. Um, Broderick Jones could turn out to be a solid left back. I don't think he has the capability, the physical skills to move to be like a top five tackle, but I think he could be like a solidly like five to ten tackle if if he has a good a good head on his shoulders. And that's the question that I've had with Broderick Jones. Um, he had games where he just like very clearly wasn't giving full effort. And for an offensive lineman, especially a left tackle, to take plays off, for me, is one of the biggest red flags you can possibly have. Um, But, I mean, we could see Jones go to Pittsburgh, which is as stable of an environment as it gets in the National Football League. And could he turn into a career, you know, where he's, you know, 12-plus years? Sure. But I also do think that of a lot of the higher-rated offensive linemen, he has one of the highest bust potentials because of just he's, he can kind of be a knucklehead. Ed, let's go on back over to the New York Jets. They get Will McDonald. We gave that a, that that a pick a B plus. He has a, tons of bend and uh, which as a, a pass rusher coming as a linebacker is invaluable. What are your thoughts about the Jets? Will McDonald and the Jets they're starting to put the pieces together over there on the other side of New Jersey there. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm kind of second-guessing each of these picks, you know, with Tampa and not taking a quarterback and Green Bay not taking a receiver. And, uh, right. you know, the, the Jets took a defensive side of the, of the ball, and, 
you know, they probably could have gone offensive line here, um, but they didn't. So, you know, I like Will McDonald a lot. I thought, you know, the Eagles might have taken a look at him had he been there at 30 just because of the connection Nick Sirianni and their head coach at Iowa State, Matt Campbell, have. The two of them played football together uh, in college. Um, so they have a really good relationship. So I thought maybe the Eagles would take a look at him. I mean, I like him. He had a really productive college career, 34, I think, 34 career sacks. So, uh, you know, you're right. The Jets are starting to put some pieces in place here. And like I said, I think they have a pretty good roster. <clears throat> roster. But that AFC East is, you know, that's going to be tough with the Dolphins, the Bills, obviously. You know, I, I'm not sure what New England – uh, has to compete with that. But, I mean, that's a tough division to come out of. But, you know, I think the Jets are, are making some headway here with uh, the pieces they're putting on that roster. Adam, let's uh, go on over to the Commanders before we move to our next patch. Uh, the, the Commanders, they, they get uh, Emmanuel Forbes, nothing real exciting. In fact, uh, you're just ready to move on from this pick and just give him a C and let's go on. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, this is a boneheaded move by Ron Rivera. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Forbes on my board was at best the fifth-best corner in this draft. Joey Porter Jr. was still on the board. Christian Gonzalez was still on the board. Uh, um, even even Banks, who went to the Giants, I had over Forbes. I just, I just This was one of those where I'm like, he's small, he's skinny. Um, like, he has, does he, can he be a ball hawk? Sure. But he's just going to get thrown around by some of these more physical receivers in the league. And then at the same time, not only is he small, but I don't see him having the quickness to keep up with some of the younger receivers that are the, 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 the Justin Jefferson style style receiver who gets you with his quickness and his elusiveness. I just, I'm going like, I don't know that. Did you just draft a nickel corner at like wherever they were 12? Like that was, I think it was, a, it was a bad pick. Not the worst pick in the first round, the worst pick in the first round, is coming up. Yes, we are going to we're going to get to that in just a second. All right, we move on into picks 9 through 12 and this is going to be our perfect segue into Ed Kratz's uh spotlight on the show today. Uh Ed Kratz beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com certainly been spending a lot of time in Eagles camp getting ready for the draft and know spending some late hours and I appreciate you getting up in the morning so it's your time to shine but we are going to start with this the trade with David Carter B plus uh, and we're going to use Adam's analysis here but I've been up front that I don't think that David Carter is what others have said this is just being the best player in the draft I don't think he was good as good as Jordan Davis last year who also picked who was also got picked ironically by Philadelphia the Eagles need uh, the defensive line is young and very very talented and as I've always said and just said earlier on the show the Eagles are playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers and they continue to amaze us in the draft Ed Kratz take it away the Philadelphia Eagles the 2023 draft what say you sir uh yeah I'm I'm not really in love with this pick I listen I think he is a really good player um his numbers aren't going to wow you you know playing at the University of Georgia you know they have so many studs they try to keep everybody happy so uh, you know, his playing time might not have always been up there, kind of like Jordan Davis um, was when he was there last year. Um, but, you know, the whole background on Carter is a concern for me. I think he's a, a boomer bust type of player, uh, you know, high reward, but a 
really high risk. Uh, we all know about his past, uh, you know, kind of having to leave the combine early to go address charges that he was involved with, that fatality that, uh, you know, killed one of his teammates and one of the staffers right. of Georgia. So, uh, right. you know, and even before, before that, he was, a, you know, he got a warning for speeding. He was doing 90 and a 45. I mean, this guy, you better hope, and the Eagles do have a good infrastructure. They do have, you know, obviously his former teammates are on the team, but you could make the case that, hey, he got in trouble even with those guys like Nolan Smith and uh, Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. You know, he still got in trouble when he was with them at Georgia. But, yeah, you have Fletcher Cox, who's kind of like a Yoda, in my opinion. I mean, that guy has been in the league now 12 years. Uh, he's going to get on Carter, and he's going to make sure that he's doing the right things. But you can only do so much, you know. Once you leave the facility, you know, you're kind of on your own. Uh, and to me, it's going to be interesting to see if Carter can, you know, keep his nose clean, so to speak. It, to me, it, that that's a legitimate concern. Um, because if he can, I mean, I think if you can put the past and leave it there and just concentrate on the present, uh, he can be a really good player for them. The Eagles had trouble stopping the run last year. They were 16th against the run, even though they went to the Super Bowl. And then they gave up some big chunks to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So, you know, he's going to be counted on to kind of be very good in run defense, which that's kind of his strength. And then you hope that he can develop some pass rush repertoire. But, uh, you know, I think he is one of the best players in the draft, top five probably. And the Eagles took him, but it's a big character risk. All right, guys, in essence of time, because we do want to make sure that we get to the big stories of, of the draft, and obviously that's in the, within the, the top ten. So we'll just kind of go through this here. Again, our analysis will be up uh, today on the, the website. We wanted to make till after the show, but we're going to get the complete analysis. Thank you, Adam Dividend, for taking care of that for us. It'll be up on the, the website, uh, www.thebalanceforcecast.com today. Uh, so we'll have some great new content on that. But I'm just going to go through this real quick. Uh, Chicago Bears are now white, C minus. Uh, we think that this is a lay, this is a bad pick. He has some athleticism and has some good highlights, but everyone that does will be drafted on draft night tonight. Tennessee, Peter uh, Skronowski. Gave him an A, a great offensive lineman. Detroit, again, holes, trying to fill holes. Uh, Jamar Gibbs, uh, don't get me wrong, you think that Gibbs could be a running back, but you don't draft someone into a running back by committee at 12. Uh, okay, so we move to picks five through eight. Uh, we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, Seattle, and they get Devon Witherspoon. You give him a B-, minus. and you said, I'm not just – not sold on whether Spoon at all at this time. Go ahead, Adam. So I will say the Jameer Gibbs pick was the worst pick of the first round. Oh, no, sorry. Second worst pick of the first round. Jack Campbell was the first pick, worst pick of the first round. The second worst pick of the first round was Jameer Gibbs. And the one commonality between them is both were destroyed. Um, so Devin Weatherspoon has great tape. But he has great tape against really crappy offenses. Like, every highlight that they showed was, like, him against, like, Rutgers and Iowa and Indiana and Wisconsin. And what did all of them have in common? They were terrible on offense. Um, I think he could be really solid. Um, My thing here is I don't necessarily trust the player, but in this situation, I trust the coach because – Pete Carroll knows what to do and how to get the best out of corners in his system. That's what he did last year with Tariq Woolen. 
It's what he's done for years with Richard Sherman. And, I mean, just kind of their secondary all on down the list. He knows what to do. Again, not a huge fan of the player, but I will trust the coach in this situation. That's why it was a B and not a C. <laughs> and let's talk about I the Arizona Cardinals. Joey Porter were significantly better. Let me say that. I got you. And Arizona Cardinals uh, trade Paris Johnson and give him an A minus. A brilliant trade and pick by Arizona. They desperately needed someone to help keep Kyler Murray upright. What are your thoughts with the Arizona pick? Uh, yeah, this might have been one of the few brilliant things the Cardinals have done since Jonathan Gannon got there. You know, they've had to swap third-round picks with the Eagles for tampering before the Super Bowl with Jonathan Gannon. Uh, but, yeah, listen, I love this player. Uh, he was – I know he was – the Eagles had three players in their Tier 1 group of guys they wanted to draft. Jalen Carter was the first in that tier, and they got him. But Paris Johnson was also a Tier 1 player for them, as was Bijan Robinson. So I, it would have been interesting to see had Carter gone five to Seattle or, you know, previously to where the Eagles could kind of swoop in and grab him. Had, the Eagles may have taken him. Uh, I like his versatility. He played right guard, which is a little bit of a concern on this Eagles offensive line after Isaac Siamalu left for Pittsburgh in free agency. And now they're going to try Cam Jurgens. Uh, at right guard, who was always a center at Nebraska when they took him in the second round last year. He's supposed to be Jason Kelsey's replacement, but Kelsey, obviously still playing at a Hall of Fame level, is coming back. So they're going to try him at right guard, and now they're going to throw this Tyler Steen in into that mix who they drafted last night in the third round from Alabama. He was a tackle at Alabama. They're going to try him at guard. But anyway, Johnson had that versatility uh, that they liked, and then you could always flop him out to tackle. Uh, when that day comes that Lane Johnson rides into the sunset, he'll be 33 this year. So I know it's a, he's a good player. I think it's a good pick for the Cardinals. They need a lot of guys on that roster. They have one of the worst rosters in the league. And, you know, Paris Johnson is, you know, he's a good piece to, to add to whatever the Bonnie Austin Ford's doing down there. So let's use this opportunity to talk about what we're going to talk about in more detail here in our next patch. They traded down, traded back, whatever, to Houston. Houston got the double picks there. Smart move or smart move for Arizona or smart move for Houston for taking the uh, uh, that that story's yet to be told. I know we got more to talk about that oh, here Tom, in just a moment. Let me go on this. <laughs> you can go in two seconds. But go ahead, Ed. Okay. Go ahead, Ed. Uh, uh, what do I think of the move for the uh, for Houston moving to number three after taking the quarterback? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, they got the two guys they wanted. They got their quarterback and they got their edge rusher, the two most important positions, you know, on the field. I mean, I guess you could put left tackle in there, but, you know, obviously rushing the passer and the quarterback are, are two big positions and they got two guys and, you know, D'Amico Ryan's, I think he's going to be a good coach. And, you know, if he gets his guys in place, Houston could be one of the better teams in the AFC South at some point. And that probably doesn't, sound good to you Tom since that's where the Colts play but uh you know I think I think it was a good deal for Houston I gave up a lot but you know I like the two players they got a little bit I'm not in love with Stroud though I gotta say he wasn't my my favorite quarterback in this draft um but I think a lot of that bias for me against Stroud is just that he played at Ohio State and you know the, the Big Ten just doesn't produce good quarterbacks so uh we'll see what Stroud can do all right, Adam, you're up. Go ahead, buddy. All right, that, that trade was absolutely stupid. You don't give up a first, a second, and a future first, and a future third for a guy who's only going to get you eight to ten sacks a season, period. 
When you have Booger McFarland, who is as SEC homery as possible, and he goes, I think Will, Ka- Will Anderson will be a great defensive captain, and he'll get you eight to ten sacks a season. Houston Texans will most likely be in the top ten again next year. You don't make that deal for a guy that's going to be eight to ten sacks a game. I'm sorry. If Miles Garrett's on that field or is on that draft board, you make that deal. But Will Anderson, name me one game, if you're an Alabama fan, against a, a good opponent that Will Anderson went and took over as a defensive player. You cannot name one. And that's my problem with this trade. Player B, trade D minus. All right, guys, we're going to kind of leapfrog to over Tyree Wilson and Bajon Robinson with Atlanta. Ed, do you, what your thoughts on those two picks? Uh, who, who, who are you talking about again? Bijan and Tyree, uh, Tyree uh, Wilson and, and B. John Robinson. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, Ty Wilson, he, I mean, you know, he's got the medical issue, the foot, you know, I think it's the foot or the ankle, something that happened at Texas Tech. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm not completely in love with him. I mean, I think when you're taking, you know, picks in the top 10, I, I think Howie Roseman said it right. You want to have a unique player. And, you know, what does he do? I don't think you can play him inside. You, you just put him out at end uh, and, and, you know, let him do his thing out on the end. But you want someone that can do a little bit more than just that. Um, you know, I know with Jalen Carter and the Eagles, they think he can line up inside and outside. We'll see, uh, which makes him unique. But, uh, you know, so I don't know about Ty Wilson as a pick or as a player. Um, and then Bijan Robinson, I mean, I love the guy. I, I would have loved to have seen the Eagles take him. Uh, you know, I just think taking a running back that high, though, at number eight is, a, you know, I don't know if that's really good value. Uh, to take a running back in that spot. We saw the Giants try it with Barkley. They took him fourth back in 2018. And, you know, the Giants haven't done anything. We saw the Cowboys take Zeke Elliott. I think he was in the top five back in 2016. The Cowboys, I think they've won one playoff game with Zeke, maybe two. So, you know, I know every organization is different, but uh, I like Bijan a lot. I, I think he's just a fantastic player. You can play him probably at receiver in the slot. Um, and, and in the Atlanta situation, it might make sense. You know, they're going to go with Desmond Ritter as their quarterback, so they're going to want to probably give the ball to Bijan 20 times a game and get that run game started. So it makes sense for Atlanta, but I just don't think it's a good value pick at that spot. It's the last time I get to play that this year, so there you go. We go picks one through four. Here we go. Here we go. Do we save the best for last? I guess. I don't know. We'll get into that in just a second. We're going to get both of you guys to swing at the at the, first, at the number one overall pick, Carolina, Bryce Young. Uh, the balance gives them a B. The amount of effort that's being poured into the explain, explaining the way his height and weight issues speak volumes and how truly small he is, but he is the number one overall pick. Adam, go Bryce Young to the Panthers, and Frank Wright gets his guy. Frank Wright gets his guy. Sure. I don't I, I I can't I can't pick a quarterback that's shorter and lighter than me, number one overall. <laughs> I just can't do it. I, I, I don't care and he doesn't have a great arm. Like he, he's smaller like we talked about is Tua good enough to get the Dolphins to where they want to go. And and Tua is bigger, heavier, and has a better arm than Bryce Young does. I, I just don't I don't know how 
you have a player of that size. And, and then they were like, you know, when he didn't win this year, they're like, well, you know, he didn't have the receivers. He, like, the amount of excuses for Bryce Young is just baffling to me. And I just, I can't, they, they don't have receivers to throw to because they traded DJ Moore. I just, I don't think it's going to work. I just don't see it. Um, but I've been wrong well, before. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, I'll be the first person to admit it. Well, we'll see what happens. And I thought it was kind of, uh, I just thought it was an interesting storyline. You know, uh, Frank Wright gets canned by the Colts. And, and you know, we got a, a decent coach, it looks like. We'll see how, how it all plays out. Frank Wright, a lot of people didn't understand that, knew that it probably was going to happen. They had to start somewhere. Obviously, that it was time for him to go. But they ended up in Carolina with the number one overall draft pick. And, uh, Ed, I know you're very familiar with Frank Reich with his time there in Philadelphia. Uh, certainly a, a very well-respected coach. I, I, as a person and stuff, I loved him here in Indianapolis. I was a big fan of him here in Indianapolis. I think he'll excel well in Carolina, but he was given a, an, an early Christmas gift, if you will, for your first year as a head coach at, at a team to get the, the first overall pick and, and to get Bryce Young. Even though he is small, I, I think is is something that Frank can work work around for. We'll see how, how it plays out, but we'll see. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, hopefully they got it right. I mean, you know, your first pick in the draft, you, you better get it right. And there's questions. You know, uh, there's a lot that you can ding Young for, but I think there's a lot you could like about him too. And you know, Reich played quarterback in this league. Obviously, he was a backup uh, years ago. And you know, I, I think he'll find a way to make. Young, you know, to play within the skills that Young has. You know, ever since I've seen what Devontae Smith has done at 165 pounds, you know, very slight player, and he's taken a beating on some hits, and he keeps getting up. But I was really questioning his height and his weight back when he came into the draft, but he's answered all those questions. So I'm not going to ding another guy for, you know, being 5'10", 200 pounds like Young is. I mean, as he, t- as he said, and as Smith said, I, I've been this height my whole life and my, this weight my whole life, and I've played just fine. So, you know, we'll see what Young can do. I, I like the pick. I think, you know, playing in the SEC, having success in the SEC, I think will translate to the NFL on some level. I think it always so, does. So me, the SEC – go ahead, Ed. Me, Hey, real quick, Ed, if you want to crap on Ohio State quarterbacks, name me all of the Alabama quarterbacks that are setting the world on fire in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jalen Hurts. I don't know whether you give Jalen Hurts to uh, I don't, Alabama. I don't, you don't count him because he didn't explode like he did until he went to Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> so we I don't have count him. Numbers. Yeah, I think he had some good numbers <laughs> in three years at Alabama and Oklahoma. He, he played well, but uh, I, you know, I think if you asked Hurts, he would probably say Alabama. So I'll, I'll say Jalen Hurts and. You know, Mac Jones, I know, has struggled still early in his career, but, you know, maybe Mac Jones can be something. Um, but, yeah, I know, Alabama doesn't produce it, but, you know, it is, you know, it is a high level of football saying, in the SEC. You're using that as a beef against C.J. Stroud. It's got to go, it's got to cut both ways. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. I, I just, I, I like, I like Young as a prospect. I just think he's got some skills that can translate and, I'm not sure. Stroud was throwing the wide open guys his whole career at Ohio State. I don't, you, I don't know if he can make those tight window he, throws. Okay, he wasn't throwing. The, he, they were open, but so did Bryce Young. Bryce Young had the most amount. When you go to a Heisman year, he had the most throws of under five yards of all Division One quarterbacks. They were throwing bubble screens, and then Jamison Williams would take him seventy yards for a touchdown. 
Yeah, those are tough throws, though. You know, don't underrate those five-yard bubble screens. You got to hit the guys in the right spot, you know, to let them turn it into, you know, a bigger play. So, I'm just, uh, I'm yeah. just saying. We've also seen CJ <laughs> Stroud drop dimes in that nobody else in college football can for the last two years, and everybody for yeah. a month has written that off. All right, all right, guys, we got to. <laughs> we we got to move on to their, our last and final uh, best for last, if you will. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts stay at number four. You know, there was a lot of talk about this, and we talked and talked and talked and talked. Now it has happened. Uh, I'm not mad. I let me let me preface it by saying I'm not mad with with the with the pick at all. I think Shane Steichen is going to be a good coach with Indianapolis. I enjoyed watching him uh, put this draft together. They said, if you were to believe what they say to local media and what have you, they weren't necessarily focused in on one quarterback. But the reaction that you saw in the war room, in the Indianapolis Colts war room out of West 56th Street here in Indianapolis, the reaction that you saw by Ballard, Steichen, in the entire uh, war room there was very much they were looking at Anthony Richardson. One thing that I will say that, that Chris Ballard got right, and thank God he finally did. I think he was getting some pressure from other people, if you will, Ursay being one of them. But let's also know that for purposes of disclaimer, that Ursay's kind of stepped away from day-to-day operations with the Colts. He is the owner. He is the CEO. He still has that title. But most everything and decisions come from his daughter which is now running the organization, which is also the future of the Colts. And I think she had a lot of influence on this to, to Frank Ballas that you've got to, to get this right. So they took some time to look into the future. I think uh, Gartner Minshew is, is a good option. Let him learn behind there. I think he'll get the starting ball sooner than later, but it's Gardner Minshew's uh, job to lose. And so if he gets out there and screws it up, well, Anthony Richardson may get his, his time sooner than later. And we talked about Anthony Richardson a while back and we were throwing names out there. And I threw out Anthony Richardson and Adam like, no, bad, bad, bad move, bad move. Uh, but the thing about it is everybody thought it was going to be Levis. We, we went through every pick possible scenario that the Colts could get at the number four. They landed Anthony Richardson. I'm happy with it. I'm a little concerned about what we did yesterday, but it was a good pick, I think. He was a local boy. We talked about that already. We've talked about what the Colts are doing. So let's let's start with you, Ed, uh, as as a NFL analyst that that you know just breaking down, not living here in the city of Indianapolis and not a Colts fan. What do you think about the Colts overall over the last couple of days? But most importantly, their number four uh, pick, the number four pick, their number one pick. Uh, for in in uh, Anthony Richardson, the future of the Colts has begun now. What are your thoughts, Ed? Yeah, you had to take a quarterback there, uh, no doubt. Whether they got the right one, we'll see. I like his skill set. I mean, I just don't think he's really played enough games to kind of pass any kind of judgment. I think he's only played like 12 games at Florida last year, maybe 24 in his career at Florida. So, you know, he's very raw, and you're right. I think Minshew, it's his job to lose. Him and Steichen spent the last two years together in Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> Minshew probably doesn't get enough credit. He's very good in the locker room. 
he's good at helping, you know, some quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to come in and, you know, hold Zach Wilson's hand and teach him how to play quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, Minshew in the Eagles room with Jalen Hurts was terrific by all accounts, you know, talking to some of the players, you know, close to that situation. So, you know, I, I like, I like uh, that. I could see Minshew even going into coaching at some point, but anyway, I, I like the fact that he's there to help Richardson as well as Shane Steichen. Um, and, you know, like I said, he's got great, great size. Uh, he's got good footwork. He just hasn't played enough games to really, you know, kind of see everything that he's going to need to see as a quarterback, especially at the NFL level. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy that Ursay didn't double down. I know he, there was talk yesterday he was going to come out and take Will Levis in the second round and set up like a young I know, Montana I like, oh, no. situation. My goodness. I mean, put, put him yeah. back in the closet with that kind of talk. I mean, that, that would have been ridiculous. I love the second round pick. Uh, Juju uh, uh, Brents from K-State. I mean, that that guy has got great size, competes. So I I love that pick. I I like what the Colts have done so far, to be honest. I I think Richardson will be a good quarterback. It's going to take a little bit of time. But it's the catch-22. He hasn't played enough. Do you want him to get that baptism under fire early in Indianapolis? I don't think so. I think you're going to let Minshew do it. He's going to look hard at the tape of the games that, you know, start to unfold when the season gets here and he's going to learn on tape. And then when he gets put out there, you hope he can process and make quicker decisions than, you know, maybe he did at Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I was talking about, you know, Kaylin Jackson Ursay, which is Ursay's daughter, which is the vice chair. And uh, it's no secret that uh, he is, he has pretty much given her the reins and it's unfortunate. I shared that picture offline with both of you guys that was taken in the war room. He just looks like he's, three steps away from saying hello to the Grim Reaper. And, and, you know, his life has just been that of just a, a party animal, which, you know, different style, different income levels or whatever. He chose to do that. It's unfortunate. But the future of the Colts is no longer in the hands of Jim Mercedes. That's not a secret. That's just what, how it is what it is. So, Adam, your thoughts on the future of the Colts? They, they, I think they made a real good start with Anthony Richardson. I know you weren't a big fan of Juju, even though he is here from Indianapolis. Um, but uh, it certainly got a lot of ties here in Indianapolis. So, you know, coming back home. But that said, doesn't make – you weren't a fan of the trade with Kansas City. Uh, so, go ahead. We'll let you uh, get the last word in here on the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, I keep – because maybe because uh, local radio have just spent a lot of time this week talking about Jim Mercer's daughter, that we'll be hearing and seeing more about her in the coming coming weeks. And she's really had a voice in the owners' meetings as well. So uh, go ahead, Adam. We'll give you the final word today on the Indianapolis Colts and their future. Or do yeah, so will, maybe. <laughs> Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, has the highest potential of any quarterback in this draft. Now Shane Steichen's future as an NFL head coach is going to depend on if he can help him hit that. And that's it. It, My concerns with Richardson weren't physical tools. My concern with Richardson was was mental um, and emotional maturity. Is he going to be able to lead a locker room? Is he going to be able to to be a franchise quarterback and everything that entails? And we don't know. He's very immature. I didn't like the way he kind of threw his wide receivers under the bus at Florida. Um, you know, he, in his pro day, he goes and does a backflip and just things like that that are just like, okay, you're athletic. We already knew you were athletic. You didn't have to do a backflip. Like, to just show how athletic you are. But what we needed to find out was how 
how do you lead? How do you process losses with your teammates as opposed to throwing them under the bus if you didn't feel like they performed? Those are my concerns with Richardson. The physical tools are all there. I just don't Ed, know I wanted happy. to get your – oh, go ahead. Adam, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. So it, I'll just say this. The future of the Colts is, has lots of potential, but we are going to find out in the coming years if that potential becomes realized or not. And I think Shane Steichen's future as a head coach depends on that. Ed, I'll, real quickly before we go, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Stockton. Uh, obviously, this is their second coach in a row that came from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, line of coaches, if you will. Uh, so there's always that good relationship that the Colts and the Eagles have. But I also like the fact that you and I talk about the Eagles often and you help us get to know some of these guys. Help us get to know uh, Shane Steichen as a coach, uh, what, uh, you know, a, a play caller. But he's, he's known as a ball, a ball coach. And Anthony Richardson maybe will be a ball quarterback. But he's, 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 he spoke very, very favorably. You say you win the press conference. He certainly won the press conference here in Indianapolis. But so did Frank Wright, for that matter. But uh, – what are your thoughts? Tell, let us uh, get to know who, who Shane Stockton is, uh, who, who's now pulling the strings at the Indianapolis Colts, in theory. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, listen, he's very intense. He, you know, inside the room, he's a very intense, very passionate coach. Uh, and to me, he's just got a really good instinct for calling plays. He called the plays here for uh, most of his two years. I think Nick Sirianni gave him that role after the first four or five games Sirianni was the head coach. And I think he does a great job play calling. And, and Shane is gracious to talk with us off the record after every press conference. And you can just see how passionate he is when he talks about the plays that he called in certain situations and what he wanted his quarterback to do. And, uh, you know, you can, you can just feel like, you know, guys are going to like him. Guys are going to respect him. And that's what it all comes down to, I think, with Richardson. I mean, the kid – First of all, a kid's 20 years old. I mean, he obviously has some growing to do. I, I think when you look at Jalen Hurts at 24, and Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, has said this, is he, you know, he's the most mature 24-year-old person I've ever met in my life. So, you know, Richardson's got to mature and develop, and, you know, he will. That will come with time. And I think he's got a good teacher in Shane Steichen. And that's what Steichen is to me, is he's a teacher. Uh, you know, and that's what you need at this level. Now, I, I'm not as familiar with his staff. I mean, it just doesn't begin and end with the head coach. I mean, it's guys sure. that are under Steichen who are going to be working closely with Richardson as well. Um, and, you know, I would have confidence that they're going to get the job done. And, you know, I don't know, you know, what Richardson's feeling is, if he, you know, how good he is as a learner and how he quickly he can process things. But, you know, Justin Herbert was the rookie of the year at, in Los Angeles when Shane Steichen was his offensive coordinator. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think Herbert has had as good of a, a career after that rookie season yet. He's still a great quarterback, but hasn't been the same since Steichen was with him. And now we've seen Jalen Hurts, uh, how, you know, the quantum leap that he took from his first year as a starter to his second year. So, yeah, I, I'm confident enough in Shane Steichen. I think he's a good teacher. I think he's passionate. I think guys are going to gravitate toward him. They're going to respect him. And I think that's all well and good for the future of Anthony Richardson. Hey, and hey, our offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter. Where do you go to college at, guys? Tennessee. All right. I had to get that plug in there. 
<laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim Bob was here in Philadelphia too with Jalen Hurts. He had a little bit of connection with Jalen Hurts for a time here in Philly. That's right. Well, you know, I I put a little money on Hooker going in the, the number four. And had the Colts actually picked him up, it was good fun to talk about. But had they picked him up, it would have paid me two hundred and fifty five dollars. But uh, you know, uh, I I think uh, where he end up at again? Did he? Uh, someone refresh my memory. Where did Hooker? Lions. Oh, that's right. That's right. Lions. We just talked about it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, the, the Lions have so many holes uh, to fill. I heard a national media guy say this week, it's, it, and the, the looking at the Detroit Lions is looking at the Model T in, uh, in uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's the, the, the male and female robbers. They were famous in the 20s. Bonnie uh, and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. If you've ever seen the movie Highway, man, at the end of that, it's all shot up and there's holes everywhere. So they were giving the analysis to that. Uh, Adam Jividen, super Browns fan, super, uh, sorry, I almost said super culture and that would have been bad. Uh, super Buckeye fan, super uh, Guardian fan, uh, super duper Cavs fan. Real quickly, Adam, your Cavs are no more this year. What are, what, what say you on that? Hey, you know, it was a good season. Uh, first <laughs> trip to the playoffs for for pretty much most of the team except for Donovan Mitchell and playoff lights kind of swallowed him up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you make some adjustments. I think they're going to – we'll see several players on the team that won't be back next year. Um, Raul Neto, Teddy Osman, probably Ricky Rubio. Um, they'll retool and, and come back better next year. Well, next week we'll get back into the talk of the of the NBA uh, playoffs. Obviously, uh, the, the Cavaliers did a lot better than the Pacers did. But, hey, how about those 76ers doing exactly what we said they were going to do, meeting exactly who we said they were going to meet? But, Ed, what are your thoughts on, your, on the 76ers? Uh, people around here seem to think the Sixers are going to win that series. But I, I don't. I think, you know, not having Joel Embiid healthy, I don't think he's playing game one, which is Monday night. And even when he does play, he's going to have really one functioning knee. I mean, his other knee's, you know, shot. Happens every year. Hemby gets hurt in the playoffs and the Sixers lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And that's what's going to happen again. It's the, you know, what's the definition of crazy? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting <laughs> things to be different. I mean, that's kind of what the Sixers are. I mean, I don't see them beating the Celtics. I think the Celtics are a better team. They had trouble beating them this year with them being healthy. So, I'm, you know, I'm riding the Celtics in like six here. Nice. All right, Adam, uh, we know we're going to get your analysis up on the website in Jibby's Den. Any final words of wisdom, sir, before we, we part ways and put a, a bow on it, call, call it a day? <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to uh, to the draft being, you know, finalized. We'll see rosters <laughs> close, to complete, close to complete. And then, and then you know, rookie camps will be right around the corner, and we'll hear – how, how freaking Jalen Carter's ragdoll an offensive lineman and things like that from Ed. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right, Ed, we appreciate you. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, just hit me on Twitter, at Cressy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. All right, guys, you have a great day, great weekend. Be safe. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks. See you. Thanks. See you, See you guys. See ya. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, and Adam Jividen joins us to help us break down, break down this, uh, uh, well, this uh, NFL draft. It's kind of big crazy, sort of. Make sure you're following us on the Twitter at T Balance and on Facebook, The Balance, 
And uh, make sure that uh, you check us out at www.balanceboardcast.com. My name's Tom Marquis. Don't drink and drive. I'm out of here, deuces. Hey, 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 hey.